If you are inflamed, fatigued, like chronically dealing with some sort of, you know, disease or whatever it is that you get from the the sad American, we call it the sad, like standard American diet, you're not going to have the energy to show up for your job, to show up for your friends, to show up and, and live the life that you want to live. Don't we all want to live the most amazing lives where we get to do everything we want to do and have energy to do all that? And I always tell people too, I'm like, the better you feel, the better you're going to be at your job. So you're going to make more money. Like the all it is is wins for you. So it's about like reprioritizing and reframing this and really prioritizing what's important to you because once you get this in line, everything else in your life changes. I love that you say that. Hi, my name is Aggie and this is Biohacking Bestie. The one-stop shop for a modern queen where you can find biohacking courses, self-growth courses, and where you can find the most incredible community of women so you can hit all of your biohacking goals and beyond. Good morning. I was going to say ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to say biohacker and biohacking queens. Today on Biohacking Bestie, we are hosting Courtney Swan from Real Foodology. Is that how I say it? You got it. <laughs> I, was, I was practicing. Uh, Courtney is a dear sister of mine, someone who I look up to, and I'm so grateful to have you in my community. You're not only an incredible human, a great friend, but also someone that is really disrupting the industry in the most beautiful way possible. And I literally, every time I see your post, I'm like, so much value, so much value. You're putting so much work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for spreading the good message. Okay. There was a time in everybody hacker's life that you don't want to get into conspiracy theory, <laughs> but you kind of have to because you're like, okay, like, I guess I just have to eat real food. And then turns out it's not that easy, especially in the US. Yeah. Yeah. We've made it really hard to eat healthy in this country. Yeah. And I think that that is done for a reason. Marketing companies, like these big food corporations, they create confusion for a reason and they market certain products. They put a ton of funding and advertising funding, marketing funding behind trying to convince you that their products are healthy. Mm. And so obviously they're not. And I think it's just like a lot of times when when I share with people, hey, like this if as long as you stick to real food and when people send me studies that are based on like three people and paid by Nestle it's a little frustrating to to have your argument and say like actually these are the things that are being promoted are not being very healthy and so what does one do uh, in America when he or she wants to eat healthy and she doesn't know where to start yeah so this is multifaceted I would say first and foremost it's really important that people understand that they need to be their own advocates you know we really have to make our peace with that because There's a common misconception that if it's on the shelf, it's deemed safe and that it's vetted for and that there's no way that it could have any sort of health, um, you know, it could lead to health concerns down the road, but this is completely not true. And this is because, you know, all the funding and because of all these studies that are, you know, being funded by these companies that have vested interests. Sorry, guys, this is the sound by peanut butter and turkey, our dogs that are just like fighting for treats. <laughs> oh, this is so good. You know, we would have our dogs with us. It's so yeah. on brand. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's really important, first of all, that we make our peace with that, that the fact that these companies creating these products are not creating these with our health in mind. They're creating it with profit. dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Profit in mind. So first and foremost, knowing that, recognizing that, and knowing that you need to do a little bit of research. Unfortunately, it's just the reality of the situation. Now, I tell people there's a couple tips that I give you for as far as navigating the grocery store. First and foremost, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this. You always want to shop the peripherals, right? Because that's what you think about. That's where the produce is, the meat, dairy, eggs. That's where all the real food is. Yeah. It's when you start getting into the the meat of well the aisles of the grocery <laughs> store where it's problem problematic you know where all the like processed foods are another really big hack that I tell people is you know we live in the modern world it is normal that you're going to be buying packaged foods and that's okay you know I'm also a realist and I don't think that it's reality for people to not buy anything in packages so when you look at the ingredient label make sure that you recognize all those ingredients. If there's a world in which you could buy all those ingredients at the grocery store, then you can buy that packaged food. It's where we get into problems is when we see like TBHQ, you're like, what the hell is that? Where would it want to even buy this? Yeah. You know? And so that's when you know that you can buy the packaged food. It's a safer, um, more real food like product. Um, also another great rule of thumb is would your parents recognize this as food? You know, like a Twinkie, we look at it and we're like, literally, what is this made out of? Like, what is this? Whereas, you know, I love that rule. That's so good. Right. And so, and then, you know, you look at something as simple as like a tortilla, like obviously it's pretty obvious, you know, it's like corn and water and salt. Like they're just really simple ingredients. So those are my main hacks as far as like navigating the grocery store. Amazing. Uh, I also, you know, I'm in the process of writing my book and I get to, there's a chapter on what to eat. And I basically said like, honestly, there's so many diets. And if you start dividing the food on like good and bad, it's not very productive as long as you stick to real food. And then I was just like writing this and I'm like, it, and also the name of your, you know, the podcast and the show and everything you do, it's real food. And I'm like, I hate that we have to add real food to the word food because the very definition of food is something that has nutrients isn't making you sick and you know like I can't eat this sign because it's going to make me sick and I can't digest it which is also true for all the artificial colorings and binders and preservatives and glyphosate and all the other things so in reality they're not even food and so it really annoys me that we even have to differentiate like oh we're into real food and we're (laughs) like these conspiracy theorists slash rebels where in fact we're like, that's mainstream to eat food. We just want to eat food, not fake food. So how come yeah. we're not adding fake food? We just have to add real food to the word food. I Do you mean, know what I'm saying though? Like Totally. And I think I, I share the same frustration. It's so crazy that we have to become our own advocates in these like we have to become basically detectives when we go to the grocery store now because a lot of these ingredients, like you said, the artificial preservatives and all these ingredients that should not be in our food, they're also being used as, um, there's an ingredient called propylene glycol that you find sometimes in like certain food products. They also use that to de-ice planes. Why are we putting that in our food? You know, and it's the same thing, like stuff that we're putting in makeup, we're also putting that in food and digesting it. And then we're wondering why we're seeing all these chronic diseases skyrocketing, obesity, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune disorders, thyroid issues, cancer. Yeah. And we're scratching our heads and I'm going, well, it makes sense because we're not even eating food anymore. Yeah. And I think it's like, for me, it's surprising when people are healthy these days. Like if you're eating a mainstream diet and you're healthy, you're a miracle. Like, I don't know how you're doing this, but yeah. you're a f-ing miracle because <laughs> seriously, you're not meant to be healthy eating all that crap. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's like, 
And they're anomalies for sure. And I'll get comments from people on my Instagram and they'll say, oh, well, my, my grandfather, you know, ate this until he was in his 90s or smoked cigarettes until he was 90 or whatever it is. There will always be those outliers, but that's not the majority of people. The majority yeah. of people are being affected. And many times people don't even realize that they are being affected by their food because we don't attribute all these things that we're seeing, you know, even like gut issues, eczema, psoriasis, people aren't like connecting, connecting the dots yeah, yeah with their food yeah even yesterday in stories uh i posted something about food and the connection between chronic fatigue and food and the girl's like i never knew that my fatigue comes from what i eat and i'm like well it comes from your gut and obviously yeah. everything starts with what you eat and what you put into your body right wow yeah. And I think it's just that misinformation. And again, it's not something that we learn in school, like how to na- navigate grocery, like grocery store, like how to cook from scratch. Like it's not cultivated, right? Yeah. Which is like, I think the art of cooking is something that should be taught in school of like, you know, what happens to food when you cook it up too much, right? Like even in chemistry, yeah. uh, I think we're just, again, like we're learning so many random stuff that isn't, completely necessary for us to survive versus the very survival skills aren't being taught which is like (laughs) how do I survive in this world that has so much crap in it it's true well and it's a newer issue that we have because you know when our grandparents were children I don't remember the exact percentage but it was a very large percentage of people had backyard gardens where they were getting at least a certain percentage of their food right whereas you look at now I don't know a single person that has a garden you know and it could be also that we live in LA we live in a massive city so we don't have the space for it but statistically most people are now just strictly relying on going to the grocery store which is okay we've set it up that way and it's modern convenience we live really busy lives and it's also afforded us the ability to do so many other things with our time which is great but now we've lost the art of growing food cooking everyone's all about the convenience it's why everyone's going through fast food you know drive-throughs trying to just get quick fast and easy food and unfortunately we're paying the price of it with our health yeah and I think being European it actually it, it is still shocking to me. I've been here for, for over 10 years, but I grew up in Europe where meals are a time to slow down and take it easy and there are no drive throughs And it's a very like American thing. And I think what it's really interesting is to realize that like this, the culture that you live in has a massive impact on how healthy you are. You know, if you go to France, it's meal is a place for you to relax, slow down. It's called rest and digest uh, state for a reason. Mm. It's time for you to like just relax, to rest and digest. And the US it's like go and eat at the same time but you're not digesting well it's that like go 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 be as productive as you possibly can eat while you're like responding to emails right exactly it's like we've created humans to be a part of the assembly line like we're all just in the system which sounds conspiratorial but it's true like we're all in the system that's what I mean it's hard to get uh, into biohacking without becoming a low-key conspiracy theorist because you're like (laughs) get in a way of like okay like this is just not right it's like I'm paying the price for for someone else's profit and I think when you also realize the amount of money the the greed that's in this world and you you shared with me some insane stat you basically told me that only 10 companies own basically most of the food industry in the US yeah it's 11 of them Uh, we can look them up but also I mean I would just encourage people listening just to google it so there's 11 companies that own the entirety of our food system which is absolutely crazy think about first of all the amount of 
power they have with all that money and they're influencing everything, you know? And and then we look at, um, because they have all this money, they're, you know, funding studies like we talked about to, uh, show that their products are healthy. Yeah, but there are studies that uh, that prove that Coca Cola is healthy because sugar is the same amount of cal- like the, the argument that calories are all the same and blah blah blah. Like, oh yeah. yeah, and then you look and you see that it was funded by Coca Cola. That's like yeah. a really famous study that was done. And then yeah, you think about like so the the power that they have on people, and then they're influencing the way that we eat. And then we wonder, you know, why everyone's so sick, but. It is. It's really scary, and it comes back to you know how we need to become advocates for for our own health. And I don't. Have you seen Dark Waters, the movie? No, I need to see that. Oh, it's, it's so on my good list. about the you know the Teflon pants, and yeah. there's a super powerful scene at the very end of the movie, and the main character basically is just realizing that these companies make so much money that even when they pay the fine after 30 years of fining, uh, fighting, which was I think 20 million dollars, which was less than what they make a month from making Teflon pants, so That's it was just so like crazy. after 30 years they're poisoning millions of people, and he has this moment of realization it's like no one is looking out for you if you don't look out for yourself no one is looking out for you and it's your only job in this world is to actually protect yourself because these food companies are not there to feed you to protect you they're there to make money and so we do everything possible to get you addicted to their food and your only job is to realize what's happening wake the up yeah and start eating real food and support local farmers and i think this is basically a method for everything you're sharing yeah and this is where i get super empowered by this you know like we we can take our power back and say you know what i don't want to be a victim of this system that sets us up for chronic diseases for life and look it's all connected right like you get sick on the food and then you get put on medicines for the rest of your life big pharma pharma is the same way i mean i was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about there's um this one not to go off subject I'll bring it back to the food but there was this one drug that they have proof that before they even released it to the public they already knew that there was going to be health consequences it killed like it was Vioxx. Could be the birth control as well. <laughs> oh, exactly. Same with birth you know, control. Yeah. And this is something you and I are both also yeah. very passionate yeah. about. It killed like it caused heart attacks in I think it was like 80,000 people or something but and they got fined like 5 billion. They profited like 200 billion. That's just like with all these companies, it's same with the food companies, it's same with big agriculture that does all the pesticides, same with big pharma. They know going into this that they are going to pay massive fines, but the profit that they make is more than these fines. And so they just factor that into their business plans. And so again, like you said, you know, it's like why we really have to be careful about this. And we need to be going back to smaller farmers, go to the farmer's market or buy from companies online that you know are doing it the right way and doing it for our health and not for their profit. Yeah, and I think, by the way, you still can make incredible profit making food. It's just the the greed and the shareholders and billionaires wanting to make even more billions is that they're cutting corners left and right. And I think just realizing that this is the sad reality and it's not to like get all whiny and, and like you said, into victim mentality, but kind of just like realizing, yeah, it's taking claiming my power back. Like I get to choose where my money is going and I'm choosing with that money to go into the farmers. It's a pain in the ass to get into farmer's market because you have to keep track of where it is and what day it is. <laughs> Today, my farmer's market is happening right now. I'm talking to you, so it's not happening for me this week, but then I can find another one. And sometimes it's you just have to carry things and it's expensive and da-da-da-da, right? And I, I get it. Like Sometimes it's not the easiest way to do, but as long as you 
have real food, you're still better off than eating all that processed food. And I think that is the the biggest trick of of you know not eating all that processed food that you can't read a label of. Well, we have to reframe this in our minds, right? Like so many people say, well, I don't have enough money for this or I don't have the time for it or whatever. But you have to understand that if you are inflamed, fatigued, like chronically dealing with some sort of, you know, disease or whatever it is that you get from the the sad American, we call the sad, like standard American diet, you're not going to have the energy to show up for your job, to show up for your friends, to show up and, and live the life that you want to live. Don't we all want to live the most amazing lives where we get to do everything we want to do and have energy to do all that? And I always tell people too, I'm like, the better you feel, the better you're going to be at your job. So you're going to make more money. Like the all it yeah. is is wins for you. So it's about like reprioritizing and reframing this and really prioritizing what's important to you because once you get this in line, everything else in your life changes. I love that you say that. I remember back in the day when I got into biohacking, uh, it was a time of my life. I was losing my hair. I was putting on weight. Acne was terrible. And my brain fog was incredible. And so my business was failing. I wasn't able to function properly because I would wake up in the morning, would need to have a coffee, couldn't really focus. So I would just sit on Instagram. Uh, it was, I was just like a little puppet of like not really knowing what's going on. And yeah, it took a bit of healing and with the support of supplements and different, you know, like lots of sauna and lots of like things that would like detoxify my body because I had a lot of heavy metals in my body, like crazy mm. mercury levels. You know, I, I was getting off being vegan, so I thought I'm going to have the fish because it's more feminine. So, and then my hair was falling out. I was like, oh, heavy metals. Thank you very much. And so it was really interesting to like heal myself through that. But then... I'm so sharp, so clear, so smart. And I know it's probably not very modest to say, but I really okay, feel... You own it. <laughs> but own like, it. I'm just like, this is the same person. In fact, I'm even older, so I'm supposed to maybe just, you know, age and, and be slower than five or six years ago. But I feel so, so much more clear. I'm getting so much shit done. I'm making all of my dreams come true. I'm making great money. And it's still the same person. I'm just more aware. So yeah, I have spent more money in, on biohacking supplements, but it just pays back tenfold. And obviously I haven't been to a doctor in a very, very long time. And so there's this saying in Polish, it's better to send on a baker than a doctor. It rhymes. <laughs> but it's like, it's very true. Like you invest in food so you don't have to invest in, you know, in the healthcare system. Yeah. And I talk about this all the time. You're either going to pay for it now up front or you're going to pay for it substantially more later down the line in doctor bills, medicine, surgeries. And it's so funny because, you know, we, we think that if someone starts eating healthier and we're like, oh my God, that's so extreme. I think like yeah, having heart think- surgery is extreme, you know, yeah. like, and look, I, I want to be really careful here for anyone listening. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm honestly trying to empower you. And I also want to be sensitive to, I know that there's a lot of different budget, like people are on budgets and there's financial concerns, but again, it really comes back to prioritizing and also reframing. I know so many people that are so concerned about where they're spending their money, but then they're buying designer clothes and designer bags and post mating every other night and, you know, going oh. through fast food drive throughs I'm like, buy everything at the grocery store and you're going to save a ton of money. Cook at home. Yeah. And also like if, even just me a few years ago when I would hear from my friends, I was like, oh, this is so expensive. I'm like, well, I don't get my nails done. I cut my own hair because that, it's depending where your priority is, right? Like it's exactly. just like, and in, in one of the like beautiful things that I help women rephrase, reframe those things is just like everything is either an investment or a spend. 
if you can spend money on food or you can invest money in food. So like when mm. I go to a farmer's market, I'm investing money because it's my insurance policy versus when I go to fast food, I'm spending money, never going to see that money again. In fact, it's a liability because I probably will, that would make me sick or crave more shit, right? Exactly. Versus like farmer's market is always an investment. So from a business perspective, I'm investing that food so I don't have to spend it later. Yeah, and you're investing in your health. And what more important thing is there? You know, like, yeah, you're the best asset. Exactly. Taking care of your health. I always tell people this I'm like, taking care of your health is the biggest act of self love that you could possibly do because you're showing that you care about yourself enough to feed it nourishing whole real foods. Yeah. I love it. We're so excited. We're like, yo. Have you seen? Have you seen this? So good. Are they on drugs? I'm like, no. We're actually genuinely excited about yeah. this. <laughs> I'm just hopped up on green tea. <laughs> oh no! But I think it's oh. just like I always think of myself like Aggie from five years ago, and I want to get back to your journey right now because like, if this Aggie listening, this is a person right there. Like I'm basically doing everything I do for Aggie from five years ago. Feeling like she's not smart enough. She's uh, she's always going to be a little bit not fully able to. So like her, her dream, I was like, wow, I had all of these big dreams and none of this is reflected in my life. And I guess you just, I got really, really sad realizing that my life is not going to be so special because I just, I have no energy to do anything. And I, I didn't want to be a person that is just living on five coffees and watching Netflix. And it was slowly becoming my reality because I couldn't like wake up from, from that stagnation and from that brainwash that I was in. And so I really hope that there's one person listening to this that is not feeling 100% and feeling like, you know, life is more beautiful. Life is possible than you makes it all worth it. Yeah, 100%. And both you and I are sitting here as living examples of that. I mean, same in my 20s. What's your story? Yeah. How did you start? Yeah, so I, you know, I started this early on thanks to my mom. My mom was always very, very into health. When I was a kid, she was making bread from scratch, making her pasta from scratch. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. She lived in To be fair, my mom does that too, but I just take it for granted. I know. Well, and I think a lot of America does not do this. It's really more of a European practice. My mom lived in Italy for a while. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then came back with this like whole newfound understanding about food and really like creating everything from scratch. And so I grew up in this environment of not really fully understanding how good I had it, you know, growing up. I mean, I feel like all of us have that to a certain extent in childhood, you know, and then I go off to college having barely eaten fast food my whole life because we, we ate almost every meal at home. Yeah. I mean, same just because we couldn't afford it. Yeah. (laughs) So that wasn't, that was the only reason we're like McDonald's was like a treat, like once a year for your birthday. I love that. <laughs> Isn't that great now though? You're yeah. like so grateful. You're yeah. like, wow, this is how yeah, it was supposed like to be. Yeah, you felt like a total loser. And then I'm like, oh my God, mom, I love you so much. Yes. I'm so great. So it's like, it's always just seeing a silver lining in everything you do. You can feel like, oh, I was so poor. And now I'm like, thank God we were poor. I was eating real food and lard because, you know, it was yes. cheaper. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lard is actually like one of the best cooking oils now. So, yeah. or yeah. it has always been, but yeah. 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 And so then I go to college and I ended up gaining a bunch of weight. I got cystic acne. I had brain fog. I had fatigue. I had all this stuff going on. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Well, I was eating a ton of fast food and I was eating out of the cafeteria every day, which is like, I don't know if you know what this is, but hopefully some of the listeners know, but it's like Cisco catering food where it's just like bottom of the barrel, like not good food. Okay. So let's talk about, well, cause just real quick, what yeah. Cisco is. It's one of the, probably the top, the 
the top 11 companies that own the food industry, right? Oh yeah. I'm sure that they're, they're probably, they're definitely owned by one of those like major conglomerates, yeah. but they uh, provide the food for a lot of schools, nursing homes, hospitals. And it's just like, you know, a lot of packaged BS, you know? And it's yeah. a lot of like, I feel like they do a lot of like frozen, they'll do like a frozen lasagna or something and then just like pop it into a big oven and then just like serve it to the kids. Yeah. And the ingredient list is like, you know, 30 ingredients long when it should be like eight, you wow. know? No, it's crazy. I, I went to the hospital once in the US for my eye because I was climbing Kilimanjaro and my cornea popped off and I had to like put it back in. And you get jelly with ice cream and some oh, yeah. like, and the scent, like a, like a most basic burger. Uh, I was just like, I don't want to, I won't heal eating sugar. This drives me so crazy. Oh my God. This is actually something that I hope to eventually tackle and, and help be a part of the change. You think about people are their most vulnerable states when they're in hospitals. Actually, if you think about it, um, young kids in school. Well, that's what I just remind me, like young kids in school, nursing homes. And home. nursing homes, exactly. And these are where our nutrition needs are the most imperative. You think about someone comes out of surgery and their body is healing and we're feeding them jello and popsicles and fried chicken. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? It's so crazy. Yeah, creating more inflammation and just ultimately making it so much harder for people to heal. And someone shared with me recently that back in the day, there were like sun hospitals. So when the hospitals would have these big backyards and every patient would spend 30 minutes outside at least to just in the sun because they knew that you heal from the sun. And now it's like it would be considered super woo-woo. Like, and, you know, we put these we put people in big buildings that are air conditioned in the middle of the city. Lighting. Yeah. Fluorescent lighting. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> With so the bad. shittiest food. And they're like, Oh, no one wants to heal. That's so weird. I'm like, Oh, maybe it's in someone's interest for people not being able to heal. Exactly. Whose I interest mean, is it in? Exactly. I mean, Big pharma. I mean, all of these, you know, you even think about hospitals are massive money makers, you know? And look, here's the thing. Thank God we have them, right? Thank God we have them. So we're not here to fully vilify it, but we have to, again, recognize that these are all businesses. They all stand to make money. And this is where we have to become our own advocates. I mean, my mom was in the hospital like five years ago and I was cooking meals and bringing meals to her in the hospital because I was like refusing to have her eat that food. So like there are things that we can do and the more aware we become of this kind of stuff, the more we're able to do these different things, right? Like you have a family member in the hospital, make them real food and bring it to them because you know they're not getting it. And I think it's just also speaking up. I always like to think that like, you know, back in the day, like I, even I go to a coffee shop with Jacob and I, even though when I don't want to have a coffee, I would ask, do you have coconut milk or like healthy alternatives? And like, oh no, only oat milk and soy. And I saw your stories on this the other yeah, day and I was and like, And I would Go. always ask. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird. That's so unhealthy. And then just leave it with them because I was like, more people ask, they'll be like, oh shit, we're losing business. And so if the biggest favor you can do to yourself, ask and just say like, oh, I'm really disappointed you don't have that. Go to your favorite coffee shop. Tell them that you would like to see coconut milk, right? Instead. And just, yeah, or like raw milk. Incredible for your yeah. iced latte. Like, oh, like, so why that. is not a single coffee shop that I've been to except one in Bali have like raw milk on the menu? And yeah. I understand when you heat it up for latte, like you lose all of the enzymes, but for iced coffee, like can you imagine iced coffee with cold raw but- like milk? So good. <laughs> it's gold, right? And it's like, yeah. they're like, oh, too much liability. And it's like, I just, it's f- crazy that having real food has become a liability versus like, 
you sell sushi, which has more parasite than anything possible. So if there's like, if you can have raw fish, how come you can't have raw milk? I know. It's, for me, the risk would be equally, I mean, way more risk to have raw fish. Well, it's also, you think about how we've been drinking milk forever since the dawn of humans, yeah. basically, you know, it was straight from the cow. We weren't doing yeah. anything to it. These modern practices that we're doing are, they're relatively new overall to humanity. A lot of this stuff, like yeah. the pasteurization, the homogenization. So I think it's like, even I don't even, I hope that people know, but let's just unpack it. So pasteurization, right? Um, it's a process where you I mean, I'll let you speak. Yeah, so you heat it up to such high temperatures that it kills off all the bacteria, all those enzymes, everything in there. All the good stuff and the bad stuff. Exactly. And look, there obviously is a risk with contamination with bacteria. So you want to make sure that you're getting your raw milk from a clean facility. But that's really the only concern because what's happening when we're we're killing off all that bacteria, for the longest time, we we made enemies out of bacteria, but we forget that our bodies are comprised of more bacteria than human cells, which is crazy when you think about it. You know, when you think about our gut microbiome, that's our entire like livelihood of, it comes down to our mood, um, the way we assimilate our food, our digestion, our immune system. We need the bacteria. And same within the milk, you know, it has good bacteria in there, plus all of the enzymes that we need in order to digestive digest it correctly yeah and, and so we get rid of that and that's why we can't digest milk because we exactly. literally kill the enzymes exactly so we kill just... off all the enzymes that help your body digest it correctly yeah. it's crazy and then homogenization which is basically when you have milk you naturally separates the cream the, the creamy fatty part from the more watery part and so they were like mm, actually that doesn't it's not very aesthetically pleasing so we're just going to break out all the particles and have it consistent throughout so you don't have to shake the bottle i guess how, there's so how many there's so many practices that we like do why like that is the most unnecessary step ever and it actually makes it really impossible for you to digest the milk. yeah well and we're taking out really good parts of fat that we actually need for our bodies yeah. and we vilified fat but fat is actually really good for us actually and this is something i want to talk about but i want to say one thing really really quickly about this is another issue that I have with our American food system is that somewhere along the line, they decided that they, meaning like, you know, our, our food producers, that Americans want everything to look perfect, pristine, like mm -hmm. everything just looks like shiny and, you know, perfect. Mm -hmm. And you think about with our produce, I mean, if you've pulled like a carrot out of the garden, it's never, it never looks like perfect. You know, it usually mm -hmm. has like, you see those photos of them like wrapped around too. And it looks like carrots, like hugging and that's how they grow in nature. Yeah. But we've created this assembly line system where every single apple, every single carrot, every single tomato looks exactly the same. If you go to the farmer's market, they're all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. You go to Erwan and it looks like it's a cloning facility. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you know, now people are scared to eat like just real produce that in how it's grown, you know, and but it's proven that it's actually has more nutrients, right? The produce that has been weathered and, you know, has been just exposed to winds and, you know, um, challenging temperatures actually has more nutrients than one that doesn't. Yeah. And now we're so disconnected from our food, you know, like if someone was to pull a carrot out of the ground in a garden and they're like horrified by the shape of it, they're like, Oh God, this doesn't look like my carrots and whole foods or whatever, you know, but it's like, that's how it's supposed to be grown. Yeah. So I have a big problem with that. And then I was going to say, um, you know, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So we vilified fat for so long and I don't know what it was like in Europe, but in the seventies, there was a Harvard study that was done 
And what these Harvard scientists found was that it was actually sugar that was causing heart disease. But the sugar industry um, had enough money, had enough influence, they got wind of it. They paid off these Harvard scientists. And this is truly documented. This is not a conspiracy. NPR has talked about it. And they paid off these Harvard scientists to say that it was fat instead of sugar. So then it cued this whole low-fat movement that started in like the 80s in the US. And we still have never recovered from it. There are still people to this day. Oh, most women I work with are just like, Aggie, I can't get over the fact that you can have avocado and not make me fat. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, fat does not make you fat. Sugar does. Yeah. Sugar is the real problem here. And sugar is also contributing to um, the obesity epidemic that we have in this country. We're seeing a rise in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease before. Me, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, like oh, a few years ago. That. I didn't even know that. Yeah, because I basically was vegan. And again, it was avoiding. Yeah. And obviously, when you don't eat enough fat, you will crave carbs and sugar like crazy. The moment you have enough fat, you, I don't really feel like having a dessert. I still have it, but like, you know, but just like I have like, I have like whipped coconut cream with strawberry mm. with fiber. And this is my kind of dessert. I'm not eating Oreos or whatever. It's incredible that I, I don't really crave like sugar because I have enough fat. Yeah, well, and you know, because of this low fat movement, um, food companies were taking the fat out of food. And when you take fat out of food, it compromises the taste. So in order to make up for that, they add sugar. So then we had all these low fat cookies or low or fat fake treats. sugar, which is even worse. Exactly. Or the artificial ones, which disrupt yeah. your gut microbiome. They make you crave more sugar because your body is preparing to have sugar. And then when it doesn't get it, it just, it has to overcompensate and then you're craving more sugar. But yeah, I mean, so this is why. And then you feel like, oh, I don't have enough uh, self-control or like I'm not motivated enough or people feel like my willpower sucks. I'm like, no, it doesn't suck. Your diet sucks, not your willpower. Yeah. You're not meant to have willpower. You're actually meant to eat food that is delicious and be totally fine, which is how I feel like I eat right now. Yes, God. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because so many people beat themselves up over it thinking that it's their fault. They don't, like you said, they're not disciplined enough or whatever it is. But we have to understand that this comes down to biology. You can't fight biology. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the literally our, our genetic makeup and how we are designed. And, you know, you think about too, like these food companies know this. They put so much funding in um, not only the marketing, obviously, but the science behind what is going to create a food addictive. And there's this mm. thing called the bliss point where it's yeah, that. Yeah, so talk about it because it's super interesting. I it's love it. It's so interesting. There's this perfect point. It's like the Goldilocks of food, you know, <laughs> where it's like the perfect amount of sweet, salty, and fatty to where it keeps you so addicted to it, you can't stop eating it. We've all been there, Pringles. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, like, once you pop, you can't stop. Or like yeah. Doritos. And look, I'm, you know, I'm very healthy. I'm very conscious about what I eat. If I'm at like a, like, I love to go to like Super Bowl parties and someone pops open a bag of Doritos. Oh my God, I have one and then I can't stop. Yeah. You know, like we're, and that's not because I'm not disciplined or I'm a bad person or all these like shameful things we tell ourselves, yeah. you know, it's because that they have these food scientists that perfectly make this food to be so addictive that you can't stop eating it. And then you think about alternatively, no one is going to overindulge on salmon because our body mm. has a certain point where it's like, I've had yeah. enough of the fat and the protein. It fills me up. But the Doritos, I mean, you could house a whole bag and probably continue eating. Yeah. 100%. Wow. Like that was... I got a goosebumps. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's just like, and we're not even, we're not angry. We're just passionate. Uh, yeah, maybe we're I am angry. <laughs> I mean, I'm mad at these food companies that are not thinking about our health. Yeah, and, you know? and when you realize that you, you know, you're often the product, you and your attention and your money and, 
and yeah, just choose it wisely. Oh, so let's go back to your story. Cause you said like oh, yeah. you were getting sick in yeah. um, high school, uh, sorry, in college. Yeah. It was in college when I, when I left my house and you know, at first I didn't make the connection, but my mom being my mom and how smart she is with all this, she was so cute. She just started subtly sending me stuff. Cause she didn't, she knew that if she was like overly preachy with me, I'd be like, Ugh. Shut yeah. up, mom. You know, like as we all are like teenage, like yeah. college girls, we're like, we don't want to listen. And then later we're like, God, you were right. <laughs> you know, it's so annoying, but it's so, so true. annoying. <laughs> it's so true. But we all go through it. Right. And so she was like subtly sending me books in the mail. Um, she used to clut out or cut out little newspaper clippings and she would mail them to my college dorm. She was so on it. It was all about like hydrogenated oils. I will never forget when I was in college, this would have been 2004 four or five. I'm really aging myself here, <laughs> but she sent me an article on hydrogenated oils being trans fat. No way. And since then we have now, um, the FDA has made companies completely remove the partially hydrogenated hydrogenated oils out of food. But this was back in like 2004 when no one was even talking about it. And so, you know, she started sending me all these books and I started really getting into it. And I found the works of like Mark Hyman, Dr. Um, Josh Axe, uh, Michael Pollan, like all around the same time. And I started really making the connection of the food that I was putting in my body and how I was feeling and, and how I was looking externally too. You know, I was dealing with insane cystic acne. I had all this weight that I'd never had before. And, you know, I started making that connection between my food and my diet. And then I was like, why are we not talking about this more? You know, why, why are we, we're not teaching kids this in school. Yeah. And also, you know, it's 2023 and, you know, still, just cooking oils are such a mystery. And the reason I'm saying this, go to any restaurant, they never disclose disclose what oils they're using to cook in any restaurants on the menu, except like they do that in Bali. They say, we use ghee or coconut oil. Please tell us your preference. And so you actually ask what oil you would prefer to. Like if you're vegan, you get coconut oil. If you're, you know, if you're okay with ghee, then they use ghee uh, or butter. Like, how come it's not a gold standard? Like, clearly everyone's cooking on something. This is the probably the most important part of the process is like, how is the food being prepared? And what temperature? Are you like just frying it on some seed oil because it's cheaper? Or are you actually taking some time and, you know, a lot of the places in Bali actually sous vide their meat, which is insane because it's like the best thing you can do. And they just wow. slightly grill it right before um, serving it and I feel so much better we go out every single day in Bali and I feel totally fine just because I know that the places that are there they just really understand that it does matter you know that seed oils are probably like the number one reason of your of the inflammation in your body right and so like the question is like what on earth do I eat and I guess the other question I would invite you to ask like what do I eliminate first and foremost and that is whenever you go out, the chances are that the comp- you know, every restaurant you go to are is using seed oils because it's cheaper, because it's, you know. Yeah, it's cheaper and it's also just become industry standard too. You know, you think about like I was saying, a lot of these um restaurants, hospitals, schools, whatever, they have contracts with like Cisco or whatever that big, you know, major food corporation is. And that's just like what they're selling. And I'm not giving anyone an out and saying that, you know, oh, well, that's okay because that's just the part of it. But this is the problem is that it's so deeply ingrained. And then on top of that too, like we have, 
we've misled the public into thinking that canola oil, vegetable oil, which is basically canola oil Mm. is heart healthy. It's motor oil. It's highly Mm. inflammatory. And then you brought up a really good point with the heating of it. What happens when you heat these oils is they oxidize. And when they oxidize, let's explain that word um, to my audience. Yeah. So it breaks it down and then creates free radicals in the body and free radicals in the body are what create inflammation can lead to cancer down the line, like so many different things. And so we're using these oils, heating them to high hell. And then you think about too, frying stuff. I mean, the main reason why frying is so bad is because they're just reheating this oil over and over and over again. These restaurants probably clean that oil pan out maybe once a month. So they're just reheating it every single day in that same gross, nasty oil that just keeps getting... I mean, it's heated so much now. It becomes carcinogenic, Yeah, which means cancer-causing. Yeah, and so as, you know fried chicken the way your mom's gonna make it at home it's gonna be very different you know using lard like my mom did yeah i really want to take this opportunity to apologize to my mom because on my being vegan for so long and i always was like mom lard is gross i can't believe you're using it and i got her to use vegetable and i was like oh no because no. it's just like so bad and that was the mainstream right like it's just like i wanted I was like, mom, like lard makes you fat, right? Butter makes you fat. All of these things that we were taught. And so it's, uh, it's funny how, like you said, I really, really love the rule that you shared right at the beginning, which is like, is that like what your mom used to make? Or like, you know, would your grandma buy it in the store? It's like, it's a great question to ask. Well, and you have to think about this logically. Things like lard, butter, we've been using these for a really long time. So they stand the the test of time mm. whereas these seed oils i mean we've only really introduced canola oil and like soybean oil corn oil sunflower oil safflower oil we've only re- we've only introduced these into our food since maybe the 90s mm. whereas you know our grandparents our great grandparents they've all been using lard tallow which comes from um, cows butter like these stand the test of time we know that they're edible that they're good for us i mean you know there's there's some studies that have been paid for by these large corporations saying that butter is bad for us and causes heart disease and all that, but it's completely false. Yeah, because they wanted to mark, market their canola oil, and that's the that's a really sad part because it's like it really makes it really quite difficult for people to navigate. And I think it's I would like that's why I was just like always oh, say like biohacking is the the answer to all of your problems, but not to promote a specific person or the movement and you obviously biohacking is just like such a wide word for for just taking extreme ownership of your life and just like not listening to the mainstream of what you're meant to eat which is going to be really difficult to to a hard pill to swallow right at the beginning because you feel like you're being lied to and you feel like oh this is so unfair but you're on the right track if i mean if you're listening to this and you got this far i think you already know uh, why we're doing what we're doing and I remember like it was eight months ago where I was just like obviously biohacking was what I did off Instagram but I would always just you know post travel content and then I, I got to this like moment in my life where I was just like Fuck, I don't I can't bring myself to not talk about it even more and people are like oh you're rebranding I'm unfollowing you this is boring go back to traveling and there's a part of me that I'm like oh my god I'm gonna lose my million followers like and the ego part of me is like oh I'm not right maybe I should just stick to traveling I love it too but there's a bigger part of me I'm like there's not enough people talking about it there's not enough people in the mainstream, and my, I would say my audience is quite mainstream with one million followers that were just interested in anything 
as, as well as travel. And so I realized, I'm like, well, this is my opportunity to make that switch and, and help spread the message because it's really annoying when you actually understand how, how bad it's gotten. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect example of using your amazing, super powerful influence for good. You know, like yeah. that's how I feel too with my message is that, you know, there's so many people that are so in the dark that are struggling with this. And you keep mentioning mainstream. Well, think about it like this. Only about 8% of our population right now is metabolically healthy. So that's mainstream. About mm -hmm. 8% of our population is healthy. If you follow the mainstream rules and you follow what the mainstream is doing, you are going to be unhealthy like the rest of the mainstream. So unfortunately, when it comes to this, we have to pave our own path right now. And I'm hoping that enough people will put their money where it counts and you know support these companies and the farmers and everyone that's doing right by us so that eventually we can shift that. But right now, that's just the unfortunate reality of the situation that we have to fight for it. Yeah, and you mentioned farmers. I know you said that um, regenerative farming is a solution to a lot of our problems. So could you explain a little bit to everyone? Yes, is? I love... Okay, so this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because many people are not fully aware of this. So there is a common misconception that that going vegetarian and plant-based is actually better for the environment. And I'm going to explain why this is not the case. Um, first of all, I will say regenerative farming, why I'm so passionate about it is that it meets... Sorry, so before we go any further, could you explain what, what regenerative farming means? Yeah, so it's a, a practice of farming where we go back to working with nature instead of against her. Because the way that we are doing modern agriculture farming practices right now, we're working against nature. We're tilling the land, we're overspraying with pesticides and herbicides, which are killing off all the good bacteria in the soil. And you have to think about the soil has an ecosystem. It has a microbiome similar to our microbiome in our guts. And our plants, our produce, everything that we're growing in the soil is only going to be as healthy as the soil is. And when we're tilling the land and we're killing off all this good microbiome, as a result, the soil is not as healthy. And what happens when the soil is not as healthy, um, it's not doing this um, natural process that happens when the soil is healthy, which is pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. It's called carbon sequestration. And this carbon is food for the plants. It's food for the soil. But when we're tilling off the land and doing all this stuff that we're doing right now, we're hindering this process from happening. And so this is what I love about regenerative farming is that we are getting back to this whole process of nature where we're, we're preserving the, the ecology of the soil. So all that good, healthy bacteria that's in the soil that's meant to be there, that's producing the enzymes and the vitamins and the minerals that we need in our food, which is incredibly important. And then on top of that, we're allowing that carbon sequestration. Well, what is one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with right now on this planet? All the carbon in the atmosphere that's trapped. Yeah. So when we use regenerative farming in a way to pull the carbon out of the atmosphere. So then it's, you know, we're, we're crossing off the, the climate aspect of it. On top of that, um, we use animals as part of this process. And what they do with regenerative farming, we need the animals to a certain extent to weed, you know, like they're, mm -hmm. they're eating all the, the plants that we don't want in there. Their hooves are stump, stomping in the seeds and their, their poop is fertilizing the land. Yeah. You know, and so we need that. And so then we think about too, if we allow them to be naturally grazing as nature and Intended, then they're not stuck in these CAFOs, which is a huge problem, the factory well, farm animals. That's, that's actually hilarious that we need the animals for the soil to be healthier. Instead, we're putting animals into boxes. Yeah. 
And yeah. And then creating an unhealthier meat for us. And then it's also horrible, the treatment of these animals, you know, like we should not be putting them in these pens and feeding them corn, wheat and soy that make them sick, you know? And then on top of that too, this regenerative practice means um, we're not using pesticides. We also have healthier plants. Like I said, that's more um, rich in vitamins and minerals and nutrients that we need. And what is, what is a mono uh, planting? Yeah. So monocrop, monocrop, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you basically said it. Monocropping <laughs> is a really, uh, it's a notorious practice that we're doing right now with a lot of our big crops. So corn, wheat, and soy. So, so if you were to drive by a farm and you just see rows and rows and rows of corn, that's monocropping. And part of the problem with that is that we are just planting one singular plant in all that land. And similar to our guts, we also need diversity in the land in order for it to be healthy. Like there should be all these different plants growing on that land, not just this one plant. And this is what's so funny about there's this narrative right now that plant-based burgers are are better for the environment. Well, guess what ingredients those plant-based burgers are made out of? All of the monocrops, corn, wheat, and soy. They're yeah. actually way worse for our environment if we were just eating regeneratively farmed meat. Yeah. And also definitely very inflammatory, right? And yeah. so I basically had a veggie burger every day for for years and years thinking I'm doing doing it right and led to a lot of issues and again if you're a vegan if you're watching this I I really want to honor that I think when I came out not being vegan it was really really hard right like I was I was a vegan for eight years and I was like encouraging everybody and so the number one argument was like well you never really cared about the animals anyway but it's not about not caring it's about uh actually realizing that I was contributing to their suffering to a broader idea of animals, right? So not animals in terms of cows and obviously eating animals, but animals in terms of insects and, you know, bunnies and and foxes and all the other animals that live in plains that, you know, raising wheat? No, it's it's farming wheat. (laughs) Well, and this is what... You know, as humans living on this planet, unfortunately, we have to, I think this comes down to, we have to make peace with the fact that death is a part of life on this planet, you know, yeah. is really what it comes down to. Because there, there's a woman that I follow, the sustainable dish, Diana Rogers on Instagram. She's incredible. And she talks about this all the time. There is no such thing as a bloodless diet. You go vegan, guess how many bees, deer, gophers, snakes, like all of these animals that it kills every year just from tilling the land and, and the processing, like you just said, you know, that, so there either way that we eat, we're going to kill some sort of animal. And look, I'm obviously not advocating for this. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I was vegetarian for five years and I sobbed when I was in my nutritionist office looking at her when she told me that I needed to start eating meat. I was so sick by the end of being vegetarian. And, you know, again, like you said, similarly, I want to honor anyone listening who is thriving and they're on a vegetarian diet and they feel great. That's amazing. I got to a point where I was so sick, I could no longer function, but I was so upset about um, the killing of the animals. I'm still, I mean, I honestly, pretty much every meal that I eat with meat, I pray over it. And I just say, thank you so much for providing the sustenance for my body. Because again, unfortunately, um, in order for us to live you know, other beings have to die. Yeah, and just so you know, when you die, become a beautiful food for different bugs inside uh, the earth, right? Exactly. And it's like, you have to realize that it's it's also going to be your turn. And that's okay too, right? And it's like, it's, it's as dark as it is, like you will become food for other animals, just like other animals have become food for you. And it's just, yeah. you know, the circle of life. Yeah. Lion King. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, Savannah. <Savinia. laughs> exactly. Courtney, what are you working on these days? What are you passionate about the most? Uh, I know you have your show. Yeah. Are you hosting the most incredible people? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really, I'm focusing mostly on my podcast right now. I'm also brainstorming product ideas, so I Yay. can't talk about them yet, but definitely working on that right now. And then, yeah, just working on... Um, doing whatever I can to educate the general public on this. Cause you know, as you can tell in this episode, I'm incredibly passionate about this just because mm -hmm. I, I have such a love for, I mean, my fellow humans, I just want to see everyone thrive. And it's so hard right now because we've created so much confusion around what it means to be truly healthy and how to really eat healthy. And we've made it really hard in this country. So I hope to make it a little bit easier for people, more manageable, more accessible And um, that's really, yeah, been my main yeah. focus. And so your Instagram is amazing. And so is your podcast. So where can people find you? Yeah, so it's Real Foodology across the board. I have the Real Foodology podcast. It's on all major uh, podcast platforms. And then Real Foodology on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok, but I'm way more active on Instagram. So. Okay, and thank you for everything you do. Thank you for coming on the show. And guys, follow Courtney. She's amazing. She's a good friend. And as you can see, she really cares, which is beautiful to witness. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you.